are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. joy to be in the house of the Lord tonight, and thank you, North Valley Baptist Church, for who you are and for this invitation. Dr. Treber, I sure love you and appreciate you. I admire your pastor, and your pastor is admired around the country and around the world. I hope you know that. Thank you for the influence of this church and obviously Golden State Baptist College over all of these years. We've sent many, many students uh, to this college over the years, and I've hired many of your graduates over the years, and I appreciate that so much. They're hard workers, they love the Lord, they understand and they get ministry, and so thank you for all that is done. And I didn't intend to say this, but Doc, you just talked about money, and can I say from a senior pastor's uh, uh, vantage point, often finances are some of the greatest burdens that a pastor will ever carry. And uh, North Valley, thank you for stepping up to the plate over all of these years to give and to give extra, not just to, to uh, have a local ministry, but a worldwide ministry. And may I say, not just a temporal ministry, but an eternal one. And so thank you for giving. You do know when you give to the Lord, you are giving uh, eternal riches and eternal dividends that will be uh, added to your account. Amen. So thank you for uh, coming on a Wednesday night. I sure appreciate uh, all that uh, has been done for our coming. I can't wait tomorrow to to get to speak to the college students as well. But tonight, let's get our Bibles out. Romans chapter number 16, please. Obviously, this is a great place, and I know that you know that. And I want to help you just a little bit about that along the way. I know that North Valley Baptist Church is built on preaching of the Word of God. Amen? And even on Wednesday evening, I know there's a time for Bible study, and we'll do much of that from the preaching of the text tonight but also we are going to preach the Word of God. And I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, to stand with me, if you don't mind, as we read our text tonight from the book of Romans, chapter number 16. And I want to help your church this evening. I've entitled the message, How to Fall in Love with Your Church. How many of you love North Valley Baptist Church? May I see your hands, please? I know there's some some Golden State Baptist College students, and obviously we want you to love your home church, and I have some of my kids that are here tonight, and obviously I want you to love uh, your home church back home as well. But most of you here tonight uh, are a member of North Valley Baptist, and I want to encourage us all about not just loving the church, but loving your church and how to do that. Romans chapter 16, please, the first four verses as our text this evening. Follow along, please, if you don't mind, as I begin to read. Verse number one, and Paul writes, I commend unto you, Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is an Santrea, that ye receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a succorer of many, and of myself also. Uh, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Would you bow with me, please, as we pray? Father, help us tonight. We need you this evening. Thank you for this Wednesday evening to be in the house of the Lord. I pray, O God, that you'll help us to take this text tonight. And Lord, the thoughts that you've given me to give to these, your dear people here, 
Lord, obviously, I, I love my church, and Lord, I miss uh, my congregation that normally I'm with on a Wednesday night. In fact, their service is already done, and Father, thank you now for that. But God, I pray that you would help us in this hour to hear from you, please. I pray, oh God, that you'll use the scriptures to enlighten our hearts. Lord, I pray you'll convict us, help us, encourage us, Lord, along the way as it relates to loving our church, how we should do that tonight. Bless us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, and I'm going to thank you so much again for being here in the middle of the week this Wednesday night. Don't you love Wednesday night church? I love it. I said Sunday in my church. I'm so glad that our church still has open doors on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. Amen. And so many of these emergent contemporary churches, they have a Saturday night service and a Sunday morning service, and they're really one and the same, just a repeat service. Well, I'm glad in churches like ours, we meet Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and all of them have fresh messages from the Word of God. Amen. And that's certainly the way it should be. You know, I know that February is one of the months that uh, I know your church here. I think just this past Sunday, you had what you call I Love My Church Sunday. How many of you were in attendance on Sunday here at North Valley? And uh, Brother Trevor, years ago, I stole that idea. And even at Shenandoah this past Sunday, we had what we called I Love My Church Sunday. Now, we didn't raise $181,000, so I'd like to ask for a loan, if you don't mind, uh, from all those buckets. But what a great, great idea and a great thought. Obviously, it's a wonderful thing to love our church we talk about this thing of, I love my church. Now, let me just stop and say, we know that uh, the church belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. It's God's church. We know that Ephesians 5, uh, it's said about Christ, even as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself for it. Aren't you glad Jesus gave himself for our salvation, but also gave himself for the purchase of the local church? Amen. The Bible tells us that in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 28. He hath purchased it with his own blood. And I don't know about you, but that which is special to Christ ought to be special to the Christian. And so I know we call it my church. I know it belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me just say, I believe that every Christian should have a personal relationship with the local church. I think it ought to be something that is developed over the years. I believe that your church ought to have a special place in your heart and ought to have a special place in your pocketbook. Amen? Someone say amen right there. Ought to have a special place in your schedule, making sure Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night is given to faithful attendance in the house of the Lord. You know, I, I've grown up in church. I'm actually a, a product of independent fundamental Baptist churches. I was saved at the age of five. My mother and father found Christ uh, uh, early in 1971. They were in their early 20s, although they had grown up in Baptist churches, had never made a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And in fact, I think mom and dad are watching my live stream tonight. I talked to my mother. Today's her 70th birthday. And uh, I thank God for parents that have kept me in church all of these years. You know, I went to a Christian day school, just like you mentioned, Dr. Treber, 1973. I entered as a kindergartner into a Christian school in Cross Lanes, West Virginia. I'm a product, really, of this kind of a church and these kinds of Christian schools that we spoke of tonight. I love the church. My father was called to the ministry at the age of 30, and he pastored churches throughout his 40-year ministry. And, and I'm thankful that I got to be a PK. You know, a lot of PKs have, have gotten out of church or gotten bitter about things that have happened, and I'm so glad that the Lord never allowed that to happen in my life. And I'm so glad I've had the great experiences of, of learning to love God and learning to serve the Lord. I, I remember singing in choirs just like we uh, saw uh, this evening in Christian school choirs and special music and, and the ability to have opportunities to preach the Word of God as a young teenage boy. I was called to preach when I was 13. 
I'm just trying to say all of that. I've grown up in church, and I love, I love church. I've, I've been privileged to go to many great churches in my past. Not only the churches that my father pastored, but for four years in Bible college, Dr. Jock Hiles got to be my pastor. I was at First Baptist Church in Hammond, and what a wonderful thought and memory that is in my own heart and life. Hearing Brother Hiles preach and to share his heart and to see the passion that he had in his heart for ministry and soul winning. And, uh, and then, uh, obviously, at 21, as uh, the Lord allowed me to get into ministry, served for five years as an assistant pastor, but then at the age of 26... The age of 26, the Lord allowed me to pastor my first church. 1995, the Lord called me to Grace Baptist Church in Delaware, Ohio, a place that I served for 18 years. Oh, how I love, oh, how I love those memories of the years that the Lord allowed me to spend there. I'm just trying to say church is important to me. Church ought to be important to every single Christian in this room tonight. I love, I love church, but I want to say I love my church, and you ought to love your church. You know, the Apostle Paul, I believe, was a lover of church. I believe that he was a lover of the house of God. Uh, he which had once become a persecutor of the church was now a, a promoter of the church. He said in 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15 to the young preacher boy, Timothy, he said that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, the church of the living God, listen to me, the pillar and the ground of the truth. You see, what we're doing tonight, my friend, has eternal significance. Hey, look, we're looking for truth in this day and age and in this culture that believes there are no absolutes. I can tell you where there's an absolute tonight. It is in the local church that is founded upon the Word of God. And the Apostle Paul teaches us throughout the New Testament and the epistles that the Lord allowed him by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write. I believe that we could say the Apostle Paul was a lover of God's house. But more than that, I believe that Paul was a lover of God's people. And that's where I want to really dwell tonight in our text. In Romans chapter number 16, obviously we know that, that through inspiration, God used the Apostle Paul to speak, uh, even to us 2,000 years later, about this important topic of the house of God and, yea, the people of God. There was something that struck me in Romans chapter number 16, and I'll ask you to keep your Bible open there, and we'll refer to the text often throughout the message but I was struck that there were many, many names. In fact, 35 individual names that were listed in Romans chapter number 16. This, this church in Rome. Obviously, Paul did not spend all of his ministry there, just a portion of his ministry. And likewise, we find so many opportunities in the epistles where Paul is writing back to the different churches where he spent some time. And often he's writing back and he's remembering the relationships that he had with those dear, sweet people. But we see in Romans chapter number 16 many of the names that are listed. Let me just give you a few. We find Phoebe in verse number 1 there. We read it in our text a moment ago. Uh, we saw others like Priscilla and Aquila and Mary and Andronicus and Tryphena and Tryphosa and Rufus. And even in verse number 9 we see maybe one of my kinfolk, one of my family members, Urbane. He's mentioned there in verse number 9. You see that? I don't know how long lost of a family member he is. But my point is, is that Paul was speaking to these people personally. Now, how many of you have a name tonight? May I see your hand? You have a name, and you're called by that name. And when you hear that name, you, you know that's the, uh, that you are being spoken to, and it has something uh, to do with your identity. And aren't you glad that, that someone knows your name as well? How many of you are glad God knows your name? Amen? How many of you are glad your names are written down in the book of life? Amen? You see, there's something important about a name. 
Now, I have wanted to say this right here. There's one thing I admire about Brother Treber. It's your ability to remember names and call names. And if you're a member here, you know that that is a strong suit of his and a gift and a talent that he has over the years allowed God to use. Why? Because it makes you feel personal. And Paul is mentioning here 35 names. And he's talking about these people and, and listing them. But not only their names, he's giving them descriptions of who they were. For instance, we'll find in the text tonight that some were called servants, and some were called saints, and some were called helpers, and some were called firstfruits. You see, not just a personal name that was listed, but Paul said, this is what I think about you when I remember your name. Phoebe, the Bible says, and we'll see this in our, in our, our first couple of points in the body of the message, but he said Phoebe was a servant of the church. May I ask you tonight, what would you be described by? What would your pastor say is the description of you when your name is mentioned? Uh, this person is this kind of a church member. This is the character quality of this particular church member. When I think of them, I think about X, Y, or Z. When I think about them, I think of faithfulness. When I think about them, I think of giving. When I think about them, they have the gift of tithing. When I think about them, they have a good, sweet spirit. When I think about them, boy, that is a soul-winning machine. What is it that describes you as one of the church members of North Valley Baptist Church. So not only the names, but descriptions are given, the character qualities by which they were known, the greetings and salutations, the personal relationships, obviously, that had been developed. And may I just say, the local church ought to be a place of personal relationships. Your best friends ought to be found inside the local church, my friends. Oh, I think we ought to be friendly with everybody. I think we need to be friendly to the unsaved that you work with in the factory or some social, a secular setting. Obviously, always have a good, happy spirit, but they ought not be your best friends. I don't believe the unsaved folks and, and those that know not the Lord Jesus, uh, those are not the ones that I want to develop deep personal relationships with. Those people that I want those kind of relationships with are the folks that attend church, those that love Jesus, those that are going the same way I am going. May I say this, those that have the kind of marriage that I want to have, those that are rearing children that I am trying to rear. You see, those relationships can be found and should be found within the local church. And Paul was talking about the personal relationships that had been dealt here. May I also say that Paul gives us great words of affection towards these people. For instance, he calls some of them my well-beloved kinsmen. He calls them my beloved in the Lord. And we'll see in just a moment, he says they're like brothers and sisters to me in Christ. May I show you another uh, insight into Paul's feeling about this church. Go back to Romans chapter 1, if you don't mind, please, and... Obviously, this is a Wednesday night Bible study. It's a time that we are to take the scriptures and delve into them to bring out some truths in our preaching tonight. So we find in Romans chapter 1, as Paul begins his, uh, his epistle to the church in Rome, I want you to notice again from verse 7 down through verse number 12 some of these phrases that again give the insight into Paul's relationship with these dear people. He calls them in verse 7, look at it, church, the beloved of God. The beloved of God. Notice he says in verse number 8, he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ for you all. Hey, can I ask you a question tonight? Are you thankful for those that attend the North Valley Baptist Church with you? Are there things that you think about and thank God for? And, and remember that you're as iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. 
And sometimes we ought to just say, man, I thank God I get to go to church with someone like that. I'm, get, I'm glad that I get to go to church with a pastor like that. A pastor that brings uh, the preaching of God's Word and makes it simple and makes it understandable and, 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 and sometimes brings great conviction into my heart. I thank my God upon every remembrance of Him. That's what Paul was saying. He said this personal relationship that we, that we have dealt uh, and that we have developed together is something I'm thankful to God for. Verse 9, he talks about mentioning them always in their prayers. May I ask you, North Valley, do you pray for your church family? Do you pray for folks that are in this room tonight? Do you have a prayer list? Do you have someone in your Sunday school class that you pray for on your bus route that you pray for, uh, in the ministry that you pray for? Paul said, I, I, I call with, with great remembrance in my, in my heart, and I'm thanking God for them. But when I am called to remembrance, I am thinking about praying for them. Notice what he says in verse 11, I, I long to see you. I long to see you. He says, I, I keep reading verse 11. He says, I want to impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. Have you ever had to go away maybe uh, for business? Maybe uh, some of you have had to travel different places. Maybe you were away from your local church for a while. How many would say there's no place like home? Amen. You may go to another church. There's just no place like home. And I'm glad that folks, when they come to Shenandoah and go away for a while and come home, I'm glad that they feel that I'm glad that I'm home. Here's what he was saying. I long to be with you when I have to be apart from you. I long to be back in, your, in, your, uh, uh, in a relationship with you. Why? Because we are serving the Lord together. Isn't it a great thing that a local church gets to serve God together? And we're going to speak about that this, this evening so, from our text. Notice he says in verse 12, I'm comforted together by mutual faith. Paul had and expressed a deep affection for the individuals in this church at Rome and it's preserved and inspired scripture, I believe, for us to learn from. And so tonight as we get back to Romans 16, would you go back to our main text tonight? And I'd like to give you four or five uh, things this evening if you're a note taker, I've alliterated these just a little bit and maybe have you to remember them just a little bit more easily. But I'd like to, to give you the whys and the whats of how this happened of falling in love with the local church. Why did Paul have such a great relationship with these folks? Why was it that when he was away from them, he said, I want to be back with you? What had caused Paul to have these deep and abiding relationships? And let me just stop and say, uh, folks would not leave church quite so quickly if they had deep abiding re spiritual relationships in the local church. Uh, they wouldn't get upset about the pettiest little thing. Uh, they, they wouldn't get so offended quite so easily and get out of church or get their family out of church if there were some deep and abiding relationships within the local church. And I want to help us a little bit tonight. I want to help the North Valley Baptist Church and help all of us this evening to make sure we are in love with our local church. How did this happen? Number one, I'd like to say he viewed them as family. He viewed them as family. Notice, if you will, please, in verse number one of chapter number 16. I mentioned a moment ago about this lady named Phoebe. Paul said, I commend unto you, Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church. Notice he first calls her a sister. Notice, if you will, in verse number 7, there's another phrase. He says, salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen. Now, I'm from the state of West Virginia, all right? I was born and raised in Charleston, West Virginia. I was gone for many, many years, pastoring in different places, and now six years ago, the Lord brought me back to the eastern panhandle of West Virginia. Often in West Virginia, we talk about our kinfolk, all right? 
and uh, my kinsmen. That's what he's saying here in verse number 7. He's speaking about family. Notice, if you will, in verse number 13, he said, Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Now watch the next phrase. And his mother, and what's the next two words there, church? And mine. Now wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't think Paul was speaking about his own physical mother. His mother did not live in Rome. What he was saying was, salute Rufus, and and Rufus, I want you to tell your mom hello for me because she was just like a mother to me, like she was a mother to you. Does anybody else have adopted mothers? Does anybody else have adopted grandmothers, maybe? Someone that's not your own flesh and blood, but someone that treats you like that. That's what Paul was saying. Paul said, I want you to know these relationships are deep and abiding. Why? Because I view them as a part of my family. How many of you are part of the family of North Valley Baptist Church? Let me see your hands. How many of you are part of the family of God? Can I see your hands? I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain. I'm cleansed by His blood. Joy tears with Jesus as we travel earth's sod. For I'm part of the family The family of who? Of God. Hey, we're brothers and sisters here tonight, folks. Hey, that's why we can have a sweet relationship. I may not know you and you uh, don't don't know me. We maybe haven't met uh, until this evening, but my friend, we've got something in common, the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have something in common. We're going to go to be with Jesus for all of eternity. If you can't get along down here, you're not going to be real happy up there. I'm just trying to say we're family, friends. And Paul said that family feel is what allows me to fall in love with my church. I'm viewing them as family. I mentioned a little while ago in my introduction that in 1995, the Lord allowed me to go pastor my first church. I'd been five years as an assistant pastor, and the Lord had put pastoring in my heart uh, uh, for, well, I always knew uh, that I was going to pastor at some point, but... At the age of 26, the Lord opened up the door to go to Grace Baptist Church in Delaware, Ohio. My wife and two little baby girls left a very stable situation, a very good salary, a wonderful church, a wonderful pastor to work with, and the Lord allowed us to pioneer out and take a small little church. 35 people were there that very first Sunday, first Sunday of July, 1995. We weren't anywhere near my mom and dad or my wife's mother and father, we were a new couple, married five years and two babies. We went to a place, we rolled up our sleeves, and we just got to work. The place that God had called us, that small little church, became our family. For 18 years, the Lord allowed us to work together. We grew together. We built buildings together. We planted churches together. We took on missionaries together. I married their young, and I buried their old They truly became a family with my wife and myself. For whatever reason, six years ago, the Lord called me to a different ministry. I was not seeking to leave. I did not want to leave. And I won't get into all of the details there, but God made it very clear after five months of fasting and praying that 
I was supposed to leave that church of 18 years to go to another church who had called me to come, a scandal-ridden church, a split, a church that had been nearly destroyed. The Lord brought Mrs. Bain and I to Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church in Martinsburg, West Virginia. To be honest, Dr. Treber, I didn't want to leave after being somewhere 18 years. They were my family. I loved them dearly. I had invested in their lives. I'd been there long enough to see kindergartners go to our Christian school, and then I preached their graduation services. It's the hardest thing we ever had to do. And for about the first couple of years, Doc, as we were there at Shenandoah, my wife and I would have conversations similar to, will this ever feel like home? Will this ever feel like home? And I know those were our fleshly emotions. I'm just being real transparent with you tonight. I knew God wanted us there. There was no doubt in my mind. And there's no doubt in my mind now looking back six years and seeing what God has done to bring great healing. But my point is, a few years ago, the Lord did allow us to begin to have that feeling in our heart. And if the Lord would allow me to stay the rest of our ministry there at Shenandoah, I would be very, very thankful to the Lord if he'd allow me. You know why? Because we likewise have invested our lives in them as family too. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, folks. Hey, church members ought to get along with each other. We ought not fight like cats and dogs. We ought not be offended all the time. We rather ought to say, those are my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, and we have a common cause. I can't get offended over that. I can't leave over that petty little issue. Why? Because I'm viewing God's people as family. Can I give you the second thought, please? Back to our text in Romans chapter number 16. We said, number one, that he valued them as, or I'm sorry, he viewed them as family, but number two, he valued their service. He valued their service. Notice in verse number one, again, we're speaking about Phoebe. He says, I commend unto you, Phoebe, our sister, all right, there's the family tie, which is a, talk to me, church, which is a servant of the church. Did you notice that? A servant of the church. Notice in verse six. He says, I want you to greet Mary who bestowed much, what's the next word there, church? Labor upon us. Notice, if you will, in verse number 12 in our text, he says, salute Tryphena and Tryphosa, who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persia, which labored much in the Lord. Hey, look this way. Praise God for the workforce of the local church. Those who are servants of the Most High God, those who understand it's not about me, it's not about a pastor, it's not about a church, it is about the kingdom of God. And we begin to serve with one another. We begin to enter into the yoke with one another. Praise God tonight for the bus workers of North Valley Baptist Church. All across the country last year, uh, we were watching you, uh, Dr. Uh, Treber, lead uh, this church and others to raise money for the bus routes. And, and I saw those buses uh, parked out there today. Praise God for the bus ministry. But those buses don't run alone. Those buses don't start up alone on a Sunday. Hey, hey, those buses don't put gas and fuel inside uh, without somebody uh, paying the bill and somebody taking care of it and somebody mechanicing the buses and a, and a driver and a captain and a worker and a prayer warrior to make the buses continue to run. Someone's got to labor. Praise God for those who are servants of the Lord Jesus in a local church. 
like bus workers and soul winners and Sunday school teachers and nursery workers. One thing I missed tonight, Doc, was every, every Wednesday night at 6.15, I meet with my Sunday school teachers. I have 33 Sunday school classes in our church, and so I have a, a teacher, an assistant. So if everybody shows up, uh, 66 folks are in that meeting, and, and I, I spend 30 minutes every Wednesday night teaching about teaching and, and teaching about the lesson for the next week. And I, I thank God for Sunday school teachers. Thank God for those that get here early and get everything set up and pray during the week and visit uh, the Sunday school uh, classes and the, and the students and reaching in uh, to the moms and the dads and building families. Hey, that takes labor, friends. That takes somebody with a servant spirit. Thank God for those at North Valley and those in all of our fundamental churches who are willing to serve Jesus Christ. Thank God for the nursery workers and the buildings and grounds and the choir and the special music and the instrumentalists. And oh, I love the music tonight, kids. That was awesome. That didn't just happen. Now, that took rehearsal. That took planning and preparation and your teachers and music teachers and teaching you how to sing and, and all of that. Someone's got to labor so that we can enjoy all of the wonderful th aspects of a local church service. Thank God for the ushers and the deacons. Oh, thank God for the deacons. I've had some of the greatest deacons in the last uh, 28 years of my ministry, Doc, and I know you likewise have. Men who are willing to get in the job with you and willing to, to, to be in the yoke with you and willing to provide even lay leadership in a church like this. I'm saying uh, Paul valued their service. And tonight can I say God values your service as well. I know it seems as if maybe... Someone doesn't pat you on the back enough and someone doesn't applaud for you enough. My friend, it's not about that. May I say, if you never hear a round of applause here, I promise you in heaven there's great joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. There's a lot of happiness going on in heaven for the service that is going on down here. I'm just trying to say God wants us to serve. God wants us to labor. May I remind you that Hebrews 6 and verse 10 the Bible says, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. God is not un unrighteous to forget that, friends. And may I just say, and we should not be unrighteous to forget it either. Can I just say this, Paul was reminding these folks in the, in the church in Rome when he was no longer there. Hey, I remember Phoebe, she was a servant of the church. Hey, I, I don't forget Mary. Mary gave much labor. She went beyond, over, and above. She was one of those ladies that took care of the needs when nobody else would. Are you a part of the workforce of North Valley Baptist Church? Are you a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ through this local church? May I say to you, Paul said, you want to love your church? Then let's value the service that we are able to give one to another. And then can I quickly say, number three, he had a vision of co-laboring. You see, I, I want to say this tonight, and, and, and I, I believe I can speak as a senior pastor tonight. I think it's very, very easy maybe for us or for, maybe for the layman to say, well, it's easy for the preacher to get up there and kind of uh, dictate this and dictate that. We need some workers over here, and, and we need some more bus workers. We're going to raise some money to do this, and obviously that's our job to oversee the church. But can I just say, you, say to you, and I know that I'm saying this in a company of one of the hardest working pastors in America right here. He is not asking you to do and serve the Lord Jesus Christ in a capacity that he is, himself is not willing to do. 
he's willing to put the long hours in as well. And doesn't that make you respect him all the, all the more? He's not just on Sunday here preaching to you. No, he is in the yoke with you. I say this so often as I've hired staff over the years. I'm looking for someone not to come work for me, but to come work with me. And I promise you, and my wife is, would be my, uh, would be my uh, one who could validate this. I've not been a lazy preacher for 28 years. I'm at the church before everyone else is, typically. There longer than others will stay. You know why? Not because I'm trying to toot my horn. It's that there's a big job and a big work to do. And I'm called to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I will not just crack the whip on my lay people to build a big empire for my name, but rather we all work together for the kingdom of God. And I think if we had that kind of an attitude a kind of a spirit of co-laboring together. Can I show it to you in the text? Look at verse 3. Paul said, greet Priscilla and Aquila. What's that last phrase, church, in verse 3? My helpers in Christ Jesus. Hey, you don't need help unless you're already doing something uh, yourself. Is that right? You don't need a helper if you ain't doing nothing anyway. The only, way, only reason, that's bad English, but it's good preaching, right? Now listen to me. I know I'm from West Virginia, so I can get away, from, uh, get, get away with that well, a little bit. Why? But I'm just trying to say to you that, that when you need help, it's because you've, done, you've already put yourself in. You've poured yourself in. And it maybe is a little bit of, of overwhelming nature, and you say, hey, I need a little help over here. I need someone to come along with me. And can I say to you that working for God is the biggest business in all the world. And may I say to you, the job is never done, friends. There are more souls to be saved I don't think you've won everybody in Santa Clara, California yet. I know I haven't won everybody in Martinsburg, West Virginia. There's way more to be done. He said, I've got to have some helpers. Notice in verse 21, he says, I need a work fellow. Look at verse 21. Timotheus, my work fellow. He says, hey, we are in, 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 together in this thing. We are working together. We are in the same yoke with this thing. May I say to you, there's nothing that will make a church stronger than laboring together for a common cause. Paul calls it striving together in Philippians 1 and verse 27. Jesus calls it in Matthew 11 verses 28 and 29, take my yoke upon you. That word yoke there is coupled for the sake of servitude. He says, look, take upon you the yoke. Get in the yoke. Jesus said, get in the yoke with me. Hey, friends, you're not pulling this load alone. You and I can only work in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You can only do so much in your own strength, in your own physical power. There must come a time, my friends, where we understand that it must be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God and ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me. That Greek word is the, that word dunamis, that, that dynamite power. You know why Christians are quitting? I'll tell you why. They're trying to do it in their own strength. Get in the yoke with the Lord Jesus Christ. Go soul winning in the power of the Spirit of God, not your own flesh. And I'm just saying there needs to be this co-laboring together and the value that comes and the vision that Paul had for co-laboring together. I want to say this quickly before I move on. Who are you yoked together with in this church and what positive effect has it had on the work of God? You see, it takes more than one person to run a bus route. 
The Bible says we're to go soul winning two by two. Uh, it takes uh, uh, more people to, to, to run ministries and to, to make a difference and to have a Christian school and to run a college and all of these things that you do here. You're yoking together. Who are you yoked with here at North Valley? And is it causing a positive effect in the kingdom of God? And I use that word positive because I want to show you the opposite side of that. Just quickly, would you look in the text in verses 17 and 18? I will not stay lengthy here, but I do want to mention this because I believe it's in the text. Look at verse 17. He says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause, next word, church, divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. Hey, look at me, friends. We need to be yoked together with those that are going the same direction and those who are going to do something big for the cause of Jesus Christ. Don't be yoked with the critics and the gossips and the scorners and those that are causing division. He says, mark those that cause division. Hey, this, this context here is about the local church, the church in Rome. He said, hey, all of these people that I'm, I'm bragging on and I'm talking about their service and their labor, he said, hey, you be careful that you're not one of those that's pulling the wrong direction. Oh, what could we do more for Jesus Christ if we all pulled the same way on the same rope? You see, Paul said, I have a vision of co-laboring and I believe we can do more for the cause of Christ if we do so. Let me give you point number four quickly. There was a virtue of support for one another. You see, they were able to fall in love with each other because they supported one another. Look at verse number two, if you will. We see an old English word, the word socorer. The Bible here is speaking again of Phoebe, our sister, and said that she, in verse two, she's received uh, in the Lord has become a saint. And he said, I want you to assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. Now watch this, for she hath been a socorer of many and myself also. The word socorer there comes from the Greek language, the same Greek word where we get the word paraclete, that same Greek word that we get the word comforter from, the Holy Spirit is our paraclete, the one that runs alongside of. He says, he says uh, Phoebe is a socorer. She is one that runs to the aid of someone in difficulty. Hey, isn't that a great picture of a local church? When someone is in need, the local, can I say this, the local church is the greatest support group there is in America. It's far better than any 12-step program you can have, my friend. Hey, hey, you want to help someone out of addiction? You bring them to the local church and introduce them to Jesus Christ. I'm just trying to say, look, someone's divorced and all the divorce support groups out there, bring them to the local church where they can get loved. Hey, the widows and the fatherless, the church is supposed to take care of them. What am I trying to say? There have got to be folks who are willing to run to the aid of those in need. And Phoebe was a socorer. She was a helper. You see, there was a virtue of support for one another. That's why there was such love. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever been in need and someone through the membership of North Valley Baptist Church took care of that need for you? Absolutely. I think if we all fought, and some are saying, well, we're thinking about money, and I've never been given, you know, no one's ever helped me on my school bill, or no one's ever, hey, has someone ever just come and given you an encouraging uh, a pat on the back and a handshake and a brother, I love you, and I'm praying for you? Don't tell me that doesn't keep you in the battle sometimes. That's a Phoebe that's running to someone in, in the need of difficulty. And that virtue, what I'm calling the virtue of support for one another, 
will cause you to love one another. In fact, can I show you this before I give you the last point and we're going to be, be done tonight. Notice the phrase that's found in verse 4. I love it. He says, Who have for my life laid down their own necks? Notice the extent of this support. Willing to, what, what would we say in our vernacular? Willing to stick my neck out. Hey, are you willing to stick your neck out for someone in this place? Are you willing to stick your neck out for the cause of Jesus Christ? Are we willing to go the extra mile? Are we willing to go to those in need? Are we willing to, to step out of our comfort zone and say, that brother needs something, that sister needs something, that family needs something? Oh, I wish I had time to tell you of a story that just has played out in our church, and I, I will not have time to give all the details, but suffice it to say, a daddy and a mama who had been taken in death leaves his 11 and a half year old son in the care of our church. Another family in our church stepped up, has taken over the guardianship of that boy and, and uh, taking him for the rest of his minor years. I'm just trying to say, uh, that didn't just happen anywhere, but in a local church that's family. That's family. Running to the support and the aid of those who are in greatest need. Can I give you the last point and we're done tonight, please? Number five. There was victory that is empowered by spiritual elements. There is victory that is empowered by spiritual elements. Let's go to the end of the passage. Would you with me, please? Verses 25 and 26. Are you still with me tonight? Amen. I know I'm coming to the end of the, my allotted time. Can I give you this last thought? I want to end on a spiritual note tonight, please, as Paul was ending not only chapter 16, but he was ending the entire epistle. He's wrapping it up, and he says this. In fact, would you read with me verses 25 and 26? Ready? Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, which made known to all nations for the obedience. Notice he said, here's how I'm going to show you to have power to be established. He says, the power to establish you is only going to be found, my friends, in these spiritual elements. Notice the first element is the gospel. Do you see that in verse 25? If you put your eyes on the word gospel there, and when you, say, when you see the word gospel, I want you to say amen. Ready? Okay, you're looking at verse 25. When you see the word gospel, say amen. Ready? Amen. There we go. All right, there we go. All right. Hey, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is how you're saved. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's no other way than through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that man can have salvation. It is the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary. Can I say to you, that's what the church is all about, the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Santa Clara, California needs. That's what San Jose needs. That's what the state of California needs. That's what the United States of America needs. My friend, that's what the world needs, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul said, you're never going to operate as a family. In all of these other practical thoughts that I've given you, 
unless you understand true victory is only going to be empowered by spiritual elements. Number one, the power of the gospel. And can I just say to you next, the gospel is most powerfully given through the preaching of the word of God. Isn't that what he says next? Look at verse 25. And he says, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Look this way. North Valley has always been a church that has been based on the preaching of God's word. Why do we think in 2019 that needs to change, friends? Why are we getting away from preaching? Why are we getting away from the word of God? Why are we getting farther away uh, from the, the old time ways? I'm just trying to say that Paul said, you want to love your church? You want to have a family that is empowered, a family that is moving forward, uh, that is doing big things for the cause of Jesus Christ? It goes back to where it all started, Jesus in the gospel and the preaching of the word of God. You want this church to remain strong? You, you better hope that man always stays strong in his convictions, in the preaching of God's holy word. That's how North Valley will go for another generation. Amen. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the preaching of the word of God, the revelation through the scriptures, obviously that's the power of God's word. He says the commandments of God. And notice that last phrase, the obedience of faith. Tonight I've tried to give you a Romans 16 picture of a great church. Oh, my desire tonight would be that the Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church in Martinsburg, West Virginia would be this kind of a church. We view each other as family. We, we value one another's support. We run to one another when there's a difficulty. We realize that all of this is only empowered through spiritual elements. I love the church, don't you? Jesus loves the church. He gave himself for it. And tonight, I'm going to ask you, would you fall in love with North Valley Baptist Church all over again? Oh, I know you were here on Sunday and you had I Love My Church Sunday, but you cannot love without giving. So give, give some service. Co-labor with someone. Get involved in the yoke with someone. Realize the importance of the spiritual nature of the local church. Hey, church is not a social club, friends. Church is not a, a bowling league or a, a softball league. A church is the, is the pillar and ground of the truth. We saw that earlier. Don't you want to be a part of something like that? To be a part of something so special and so important that Jesus Christ gave his life for it. Tonight, I hope you'll fall in love with your church as the family of God. Let's stand together. Would you please with me? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed tonight. I just felt that this would be an appropriate message to the great North Valley Baptist Church with all of your decades and decades of God doing amazing things to continue to treat one another as family. Would you think of somebody tonight that you love in this church? You love them in the Lord. You love them with the love of Jesus and you're thankful for them and you pray for them and you labor with them. Maybe tonight you're new to this church. Why don't you find a place of service? Find a place of laboring. Find a yoke. Find a place to call you their family. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.